welcome to PS, the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking to members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, recording at Moonyard Studio here in Tacoma, and my guest today is Lynette Clare, a professor in the School of Business and Leadership. Lynette, good morning. Good morning, Elena. How are you? I am doing so great. Thank you for asking. How are you? Good start to the semester. Great start to the semester. Good. I am teaching a class I haven't taught in, I don't know, five or six years. Ooh. And so I had five or six years to think of cool new things to do. <laughs> what is the what is it? It's Principles of Management, which is our basic introductory management course. Covers everything from how do individuals behave, how are they motivated, to what strategy and how do we make it. So sure. big range. And I threw everything up in the air. And I am doing a lot of experiential stuff in my class. And it's all evidence-based. Mm. And we started class with making – first day of class, we made marshmallow towers. And awesome. um, yesterday we tried theoretically impossible tasks, some of which Ooh. we did. Like, what are some of the theoretically impossible tasks? So bend down. Okay. Touch your toes. Hold on to your toes. And jump forward. Oh. Wow. So so we did lots of tasks right. um, like this. We took little wads of paper and put them in the neck of bottles right. on their side and then tried to blow them in. Can you not do that? Try it at home. Okay. <laughs> so the point of this, it was that we need to seek evidence that, right. I mean, there's an old George Carlin quote that says, tell people there's a man in the sky who rules the universe and people will believe you. Yeah. Tell people the paint is wet and they have to touch it. <laughs> and so that was, that was sort of the impetus for right. this is that we feel like if somebody tells you, like you said, can you do it? Yeah. You want to try it now, right? Oh, I do. And in fact, when you first said stand up. Like, I'm seated behind a microphone. I shouldn't move. And I really had to resist the impulse to stand right here and touch my toes. Exactly. Because yeah. you're like, can I do it? I don't know. Right. So we ask those questions about things like that. But we don't often, when somebody tells us, research says that the way to get stuff done in organizations is to set SMART goals. Right. We go, yeah, maybe. Sure. But we don't say, what is the evidence and, and where mm -hmm. is it? And so we're talking a lot in this class about how do we know that something is a good choice right. to make and, and is worth trying. Well, and one of the things that's interesting to me to hear you say that is I think of business as kind of an amorphous concept, which mm -hmm. I think is maybe not how people sort of impulsively react to the idea of business. I think a lot of people interpret that field and that idea and that degree as something that's very concrete, right? You think of things like Indeed. accounting mm -hmm. that seem quantifiable and like things that you can learn to do. But even just in that one example, I'm hearing you talk about something that is a lot softer and more malleable and a lot more skill-based. And I'm wondering if you can talk just a little bit about, for you, what what's business as a concept, as a degree, as an area of study, as a profession? Okay. So I will do true confessions uh, <laughs> in that as an undergraduate, I majored in English and botany, and mm -hmm. I believed that business was the evil empire. Right. <laughs> I was convinced it was the evil empire. I would have nothing to do with business in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I got out of school, and I went to work for a business. <laughs> and, you know, all my friends did, too. Or they went to work for nonprofits, which are still organizations. Right. And most of the stuff that applies to business, for-profit business, applies to nonprofits as well. And a lot of it applies to government. So mm -hmm. pretty much wherever you're working, you're operating within organizations and you're working with other people. Right. So it would have been really helpful to have learned a few things, not the hard way. 
<laughs> because I, I learned a lot of things the hard way that I right. didn't have any idea about. And I think when we think about business, a lot of people go to the very corporate, mm. um, you know, blue suit, white shirt, tie. You know, I got to tell right. you, I don't think I've ever worn that. You know, the pearls, the whole thing. Right. No, not, not my scene. But we work in organizations, and and business really is about the study of how organizations function. Um, in management, which is more my side, which is has some of the quantitative, but also has that more soft skill mm-hmm. kind of piece. Finance and accounting, definitely more quantitative, more facts. But even so, there's still ethical questions about it, and there's things to explore that are not quite so cut and dried. Right. So, so business is is really a big thing in my mind. I would love to wave my magic wand and and just call it organizations. Yeah, sure. Not business, but there are some things about business that are particularly nice to have that context for, especially in finance, right? Right. Sure. So, well, and one of the things too that I think is is interesting about the way you just define it is I think we can all think of an example from our lives almost immediately where those skills are relevant and where you think about someone who even if you're a high school student who managed you in a way you didn't like. Right. A a coach who didn't click with you, a Mm -hmm. music instructor that you thought was mean, a teacher who handled their classroom in a way that didn't work or wasn't effective. Mm -hmm. Um, And all the way up through adults who have maybe learned some lessons the hard way or have figured out that there are more and less effective ways to traverse institutions. I think we can all see the utility of those skills. I hope so. Yeah. I, I think they have utility. And and learning something about how people function and how you motivate them. Honestly, even if you never worked a day in your life, mm. it would be helpful in terms of helping you manage human relationships. Right. Kids, partners, people you know at the Y, right. all those people. <laughs> We're all managing across, above, and below all the time. Right. It's not a completely hierarchical kind of thing. And And what does that look like in a degree? Right. Having talked okay. about this as soft skills, right. how do you then put it in semi-quantifiable terms of classes and credits? And OK, so in the business school, we have three majors. They're actually a lot alike. Mm. And so I'll talk about the classes in, in that way. Please. What a lot of um, high schoolers hear about is our business leadership program, which mm-hmm. is a great program, which is one of our three degree programs. And that is a selective program with a higher minimum GPA for our majors where you get where you get admitted from high school by and large. Mm-hmm. It's a cohort program, so you're going to take one class of your business curriculum with your cohort with your other your classmates every year or often every semester. It has higher requirements in terms of um, you need to you have to do an internship. We certainly require everyone to. But you have to. You get a you get a mentor. There's also some additional support, things like that. So that's our business leadership program. And to clarify, that's something that you would apply to separate from your application to the university as a high school senior. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's one program. And we're trying to put together an interesting class of people. So it's not all about grades. We're looking for to make an interesting group of people who can work together. So if you apply and you don't get in, you still have opportunities to be a business major. Same faculty, same great stuff. Right. We have a business administration major, which I think of as our most flexible Mm. major, and then an international business major. And so I'll talk about the business administration major because that to me is – the core, and then there's extra stuff for the business leadership program and the international business program. Perfect. So business administration, 
We have two prerequisites for business classes, which most students take as part of their first year coursework, economics and statistics. Mm. And then we have five what we call core classes in business. Management, which is what I teach, marketing, <laughs> law and ethics, accounting, and finance. So coming really the basics. And we know that a lot of our graduates, that's the only class they're going to have in that particular functional area. So right. we really try to cover the, the, the important parts. Sure. Then they need to have at least two upper divisional electives and a senior research seminar. So we've tried to keep our major really small so that people can study abroad. People right. can do uh, collegiate sports. People can have a minor, a double major, explore, have time to get back to things. Right. So that's a business administration major, super flexible. International business has um, more requirements to it in terms of the language requirement. Sure. You must study abroad or have an international experience, but usually study abroad. And some other coursework across the university in international. And business leadership program has um, another core class on leadership and it has um, a higher um, – another math requirement. So those are kind of the basic differences between the three majors in terms sure. of coursework. And in general, when you say upper division electives, is that kind of the part of the experience that lets somebody customize? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so we say two at a minimum. Sure. And – we certainly see that as a minimum because right. we want to stay flexible. We want to encourage you to take all kinds of classes that are of interest to you. Sure. But that's a minimum. And we often see students who are interested in finance taking four sure. electives in finance. We see students who are interested in marketing taking all the marketing electives. Or we see students who are saying, wow, I really like – um, say, the marketing research, which has a nice quantitative piece to it, but mm -hmm. also sort of the psychology piece of oh, psychology. Sure. And so then they say, oh, I'd like to take organizational behavior, which is more of a management type topic, right. learn how people work. And I also want to take a finance class that helps me with some more analytical skills. So we see people sort of putting things together in different ways. Sure. And in that same spirit, and I imagine in the sort of business not as the blue suit, white shirt, exclusive world. Right. I imagine that you see students reaching out across the university, too, to look for other programmatic places where they can apply those skills. Definitely. Definitely. Sure. One of the places we see that is with uh, students interested in sustainability. Mm. We have a course in sustainable business. We have a course in environmental law. So we have some different courses like that. Um, right now, I'm teaching an activity class called Ecopreneurship, so <laughs> sustainability and entrepreneurship. Um, one of my colleagues is teaching a first-year seminar on stakeholder capitalism, which is thinking about not just the financial bottom line, but thinking about how we serve a wide variety of people, right. um, our customers, our employees, our community, people like that. And so sometimes I see students with a strong interest in sustainability reaching out to environmental uh, policy and decision-making. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so they're maybe doing that. Or maybe they take some um, classes in science, technology, and society to sort of understand how scientific advances are, are integrated into society at large as well as in organizational life. So sure. we see – we see different, definitely students reaching out and taking other classes. Um, I know for me, I teach an entrepreneurial mindset for the arts class. Mm. I get a lot of students who are, in, who are, say, double majors or something with, say, studio art right. and business. And um, and so then they're trying to put some things together. Uh, we also have a fashion law and public policy course mm. right now. So they can put together some artistic kinds of classes together with an art major or something to move forward. Right. And one of the things that 
we're actually getting at right now, but I had intended to highlight anyway, is I, in many ways, I get asked about business all the time when okay. I am out and about, when I am talking to prospective students, when I'm talking to their families. And I think one of the reasons that it's such a, a prominent question is that if a student is looking for a liberal arts school or even a small school, mm -hmm. and they have an inkling that they're interested in business, they have maybe done an internship in marketing or in PR, or they have an interest in finance, or they've even just experienced the kind of organizational leadership that we're talking about, that's actually kind of a hard combination to find. And so oftentimes those search terms bring somebody to us because they say, oh, I see that you're a small school with a business program, or I see that you're a liberal arts school with a business program. And that feels notable. It is. It is notable. Having a business school at a small school is notable. Having it at a liberal arts college is even a smaller group of schools. And then we say where many business schools on liberal arts campuses are islands. Sure. They are these islands that get plopped down on a campus and they say, gee, we should have a business school. Okay. And they plop it down. But the business faculty don't think about it. Programmatically, they don't think about how does this integrate into the liberal arts. And we are on the far, far, far end of integrated into the liberal arts. As in very. Yes. Yeah. Very, very integrated into the liberal arts. Um, our faculty is uh, – has quite a diverse um, educational background. Mm. Uh, I mentioned that I have English and botany right. undergraduate degrees and then P a master's and PhD in management. Uh, Nee Louise has uh, a joint appointment, actually, in Latin American studies. Oh. Uh, Jeff Matthews has a PhD in history, mm -hmm. and so he teaches some his business history kinds of classes, leadership history. Mm -hmm. Lisa Johnson, probably the most interesting, she has a master's of fine arts. <laughs> she has a JD and she has a PhD in environmental studies. Right. And you're kind of, wow, what oh, don't you know about? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so we take this very kind of our faculty, I mean, even those of us like me who just have a simple PhD in the field that we teach. Right. That's all, right? Right. I, I know. Um, you know. Just, just, a, just a PhD. I just have a PhD. <laughs> just a casual just PhD. <laughs> we, a lot of us have these backgrounds where we did lots of different things or we right. studied different things in college. Right. Um, I mean, Alan Krauss double majored in French and philosophy. I don't think you get a whole lot more liberal artsy than right. that, right? Right, than French philosophy, English, and botany. Right, right, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're a little quirky. Yeah. So so in terms of our backgrounds, right. we're, we're pretty diverse. And we, I think because of that, we really value the ability to craft classes that go across campus and that think about business in different contexts and how the different ways of knowing intersect mm -hmm. with a business approach, whether that's a traditional business approach or something a little slightly off-center like stakeholder capitalism, which right. we all sort of think is a cool idea. Right. <laughs> so we've got that piece, which is very liberal artsy. We also are very liberal artsy in the business school in our approach to our curriculum. Mm. A lot of business programs really focus on you need to know X, Y, and Z facts. Mm. And quite frankly... Facts are known. We all have a device that's not very big in our pockets that has a lot of facts on it. Right. Right. And you don't need a degree to operate it. You really don't. You yeah. really don't. I've, I understand three-year-olds can operate these little right. devices, right? I right. Mean, it's not difficult. <laughs> and so, so the questions become, I think, how do we teach people to be curious, mm -hmm. to ask the right questions, 
to be able to, okay, we find the, the information, right? But then how do we evaluate it? Mm. And can we... And can we then, on evaluating it, take that information and synthesize it and put it together with other stuff and then put it back out to the world, communicate it in a way that is meaningful? Right. Right? To me, that's – liberal arts, we're training you to be a professional for your life, Mm -hmm. to be a lifelong learner. And it's not about getting that first job. That first job is going to come. Right. Right? It's going to come. Right. It's about preparing you so that when the next step comes and the next step and the next step, you have skills that you can absolutely build on. And I would add to that, too, and say maybe even vision also, right? One of the things that's so interesting to me in conversations with prospective students is oftentimes the things that students who do have a vision for themselves, and it's not everybody, which is cool. Right. right. You, right, you right. can be 17 and not have a 20 year plan. You're kidding. Um, <laughs> right. I don't know if everybody knows, but that's OK. You know, it is. Um, but oftentimes people will come to me and say, I want to do blank. And what they fill in the blank with is like a mid to late career stage. Right. Right. I want to be an ambassador. Mm-hmm. I want to work at the U.N. I right. want to be in. I want to be a senator. I want to be a sure. cancer researcher. Yay. I, and awesome. To Mm -hmm. all of that, because it's good to have goals. Right. But there are intermediate steps. And if you don't have the experience of figuring out how to synthesize all of these different experiences that you're going to have, see where they might be taking you, experiment with some stuff that wasn't in the plan, suddenly it makes that first, second, and third job that's going to take you to those visionary places harder if you don't know how to handle that. Definitely. It's going to make it a lot harder. And and I will just use myself as an example. Sure. I learned how to – when I look back on what I learned in college, okay, I can't – I had a final exam once in botany where I was to trace like a molecule of water from the roots <laughs> to the air. Right. And I did well on it. Sure. I can't tell you the first thing. Thing about that anymore <laughs> other than that I remember the question. Right. That's about it. That's all I remember. But what I learned to do was I learned how to think right. in college. And when I looked back at my SATs uh, scores, mm-hmm. and I, I knew what they were, and so I thought, I wonder how much actually I went up. Like, did I stay percentage-wise mm-hmm. in the same percentile for my SATs versus my graduate school exams? Right. SATs, I was in the 85th percentile. Mm-hmm. Really solid, right? Really right. good, but right. not. I wasn't the 99th percentile, okay? Yeah. Um, I was 85th percentile. For graduate school exams, I was in the 99th percentile. Right. Because I learned to think. I took 10 years off between undergraduate and graduate school. Mm. And I learned to think and I learned to ask questions and I learned to go, oh, oh, I see how this goes with that, goes with this. Right. And I sought more information. And and I think that's what we do at Puget Sound. We mm. take our students and guide them through a process where they learn to learn right. and they learn how to think and then they can take that and keep going. And and it's transformative. Oh, absolutely. One of the themes <laughs> that has come up again and again in the conversations that I've had in particular with students, but reflected in conversations with faculty and with staff too, is somebody who, who talks about, I changed my mind Oh, in yes. one, two or three ways, maybe about a belief I had, mm-hmm. maybe about what I thought I was going to study, maybe about the places I thought I was going to go with what I was going to study. Because right. somebody who knew what they were talking about and understood some of these sort of secrets of education invested in me. Right. Right.
Like what you hear? Hi, I'm Ryan Del Rosario, Assistant Director of Admission and School of Music Admission Coordinator. If you're enjoying the Puget Sound podcast, you might want to consider taking a closer look. We offer campus tours and information sessions most weekdays, and admitted seniors can attend one of four open houses throughout the spring. Find out more at pugetsound.edu visit, and I hope to see you on campus soon. Do we have time for me to tell you a story? Yes, please. Okay. So I am all things entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. as you know. (laughs) And I have an event that I started. Actually, a class of students helped me create the event in eight years ago or so. Mm -hmm. We started this event called Innovate Create. And it's sort of a one-day hackathon for non-technical people, (laughs) develop a business plan pitch, pitch it to some judges, and and get a prize. Right. So this year, we decided to mix it up a little, and we had a an alum entrepreneur, Ben Mingus, who owns Copra Coconut Water, present us with a real challenge that he faces about waste with his coconut water plant hmm. in Thailand. And the students took this and came up with uses for these coconut shells and husks. Yeah. And Ben was the judge, and the prize was that they get to go to New York City and spend a long weekend with Ben. They are leaving on Thursday. And do all things entrepreneurial with Ben for right. a weekend. So super cool event. It was really interesting not saying what do I think is the best idea, but him saying what would I actually implement. Right. So that was a great event. And Can we hear ben, about some of the ideas just real quick? Is sure. that coming in the story? No, it's not coming in the so story. Let's, so let's, let's sidebar real let's quick. Sidebar, what did yeah. people suggest? So... Um, a couple teams suggested building materials. Mm-hmm. They're building you can make building materials out of the husks, a sort of plyboard kind of thing. Um, there was a team that suggested sort of more artisan um, products using so to enrich the local community, mm-hmm. uh, bowls and spoons and things sure. like that. We had I'm trying to remember some of the some there were other cool ones that I'm trying to think of. Because those weren't even the winning ideas. <laughs> um, They're good ideas, too, though. They're thoughtful. Yeah. Right? About what might be attainable and what mm-hmm. makes sense and what oh, can you do. One of them was using the husks, and, and I think they used the shells, too, and grind them up and make – it makes a good um, – a good compost to hold the water in, and then he could take it back to his suppliers so that they could use it to sort of help their coconut trees be oh, interesting. less um, less susceptible to the vagaries of water, right. of flooding and drought. Right. So oh, that's really interesting to like sort that. of close this loop mm-hmm. on. So he gets all these proposals yes. and selects one that yes. he thinks is, in real is time. implementable. He actually thought they were all implementable. He liked all of them. He yeah. said, this is so hard. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. So it yeah. was really, really fun to do it. And we're going to do that again next year. Right. Use an alum-owned business actual problem. Right. What would you do? That's great. It was a new business idea. Right. So when Ben was here, so Ben walked into my classroom, I don't know, an entrepreneurship classroom, I'd say about eight years ago. Ben, to me, had entrepreneur written all over him. Mm. He just did. He had entrepreneur written all over him. When he was here last fall, I learned that he'd never even heard, really heard the word before he walked into my classroom. Hmm. He just knew it was an elective that fit in his schedule, right? right? And his dad worked for PepsiCo. And when he graduated, 
he had he had done a good job search. He'd really used his connections, but he went to work for a beverage company. Right. And I thought, hmm, wonder how long that'll last. <laughs> <laughs> and six months later, <clears throat> Ben was working for himself, which didn't right. surprise me. But I didn't know that he didn't have the idea of entrepreneurship in his head. He thought he was going to go for a big work for a big corporation like his dad did. Right. Right? That was Ben's plan. Sure. This is what we do in my family. We go work for big corporations. And it's familiar. You can see how those steps might play out because you've watched them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It wasn't about being an entrepreneur. Actually, his dad works for him now, um, which is kind of fun. His dad <laughs> retired from PepsiCo and now works for him. But, um, but it was fun to see him realize that he was really, really good at this. Right. And... That he thrived on it. And so so those kinds of transformations happen all the time, right? Somebody walks into your classroom because it's got they have to take or because it's a mm-hmm. class that, well, it kind of fit or my friend was taking it or whatever. Right. <laughs> and there you go. Right. Um, super interesting. I imagine for you that must be one of the best parts. It is. Yeah. It's, it's exciting. Um, yeah. It's exciting to see students – find new interests and start to develop those. Um, Probably as a teacher, I will say that at at Puget Sound, these are the best teachers I have ever, ever seen in my entire Hmm. life. When I was in graduate school, I won the graduate student teaching award at at my, at the business school. Sure. Um, I'm not surprised to hear that. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. But I won it. And... I saw this job posted, and I was at a social event shortly thereafter, and I saw some friends of mine. And I said, hey, your son's a freshman at Puget Sound, right? And they said, yeah. I said, what do you think? Mm. They said, you know, we're both Stanford graduates, I think you know. And I said, oh, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And they said, he's getting a far better education Hmm. than we did. And part of it is that everything's focused on the undergraduates here, right? right. There's not the the distraction of, you know, all these graduate students to worry about. We do have some graduate programs, but that's not our focus. Our focus tends to be on the undergraduate. Right. And I got here, uh, and I was so excited. And then I got my first evals, and I found out that I wasn't a superstar. <laughs> I was. Not even average, right? <laughs> and, and on the one hand, it was discouraging. Right. And on the other hand, it was so exciting to have all these people who I could learn from right? and, and be able to be a really good teacher. And I've really developed. And, and so to see – to go into a classroom and be able to excite students and get them passionate about something and realize that they could learn new things is really great. I try in every class to think about – what about this excites me? Hmm. And in teaching principles and management, I have to confess that my hardest one to get excited about used to be, <laughs> I, I've found a way now, used to be organizational structure, organization charts, hierarchy. Right. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't really believe in hierarchy. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was kind of a challenge for me. And I, I, I dug deep. And one time I got on a teaching evaluation Love Professor Claire. She's always so excited, even about organizational structure. <laughs> I thought, yes, I did it. <laughs> because honestly, if I'm not excited, right. I don't know why anyone else should be. Right. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I am appreciating through really everything that I've heard you say this morning is this idea that it all matters, right? That none of us are served by saying, oh, we needed to check the box 
on organizational right. leadership. None of us are served by saying, oh, we need to check the box on finance. Right. Oh, we need to check the box on leadership. Right. Right. But that if you can really lean into thinking about what does this mean for me? What do mm-hmm. I care about? Where is this applicable in my life and the things that I'm curious about? Mm-hmm. And as a result, where might it take me? Right. Then that starts to be the kind of education that might matter. Yes. And and we and I think it's incumbent upon us as as faculty to be able to say this this is how it matters. And to get you excited. Because you can look up answers. Mm-hmm. But you have to be curious and ready to ask those questions. Lynette, we conclude all of our conversations by asking everybody the same four questions. Okay. Question number one is, what's the best place on campus? Oh, that's such a hard question. So (laughs) I'm going to answer it. Not just the best place, but the best place with the time of year that it's the best place. Oh, that's a great Qualifier. Okay, okay. So on the west side of the library, so that's near President's Woods, Mm -hmm. during spring term's finals week, there are the most gorgeous rhododendrons Mm. you have ever seen. And I ride my bicycle on that path every day. And I ride past there, and at that stressful time of year when we're all grading and studying and, and kind of a little crazy... I see these beautiful flowers, and it's it's gorgeous. What are you reading right now? Ah, the book I am reading right now, I just started it, and it is The Undoing Project. It's by Michael Lewis, and it is a book about uh, two decision-making experts, actually, mm. about their friendship, um, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, and they're the ones who made us realize that uh, we have a lot of subconscious or unconscious parts of us that get in the way when we're making decisions Mm. in uncertainty. So, so it's pretty interesting. Best place to eat in Tacoma? That one, that one's easy. (laughs) The table. Oh, good pick. Thank you. Hmm. Yes. And lastly, Lynette, what makes Puget Sound special? I actually get to answer this question in some form, or maybe I just volunteer it on a fairly regular basis. Uh, I think what makes Puget Sound special, and this is coming from a faculty perspective, Mm -hmm. is that we are all on the same page. Faculty, staff, students, administrators, everybody, we know why we're here. We are here to help students grow and become. And people in dining services understand and embrace that part of their job. They are completely the front line with students. Mm. They know mm-hmm. when students are having a bad day, right? right. They're, they're our front line. People who are on grounds crew know that. People who are admins in departments. People who are in your job, in admissions. Faculty, we all know why we're here, and it's all about students. Mm. And there's, there's no division on that. And I think that makes for a really special place. Lynette Clare, thank you for joining me on the Puget Sound Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to PS, the Puget Sound Podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker. And we'll see you next time for P.S. 
the Puget Sound Podcast.